This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. Promises are so easily made between a man to a man, woman to a woman, man to woman, etc. Parents to children, children to parents. Uh, you ready for this one? Uh, society makes promises. Culture makes promises. And every single one of us in here, we've been burned by someone not keeping their word. So we're going to try to keep that a little bit real this morning. We're going to try to state the truth of the matter is, as much as you love people, people will let you down. As much confidence as you have in people, people will still let you down. So we have to make that choice to keep trusting uh, or to just shut down and never trust again. Well, that's a whole nother sermon for a whole nother day. Today's sermon topic is trying to make the case that while people will let you down, God will never, ever, ever burn you, fail you. He will never lack in keeping his word. And I need somebody that believes that to shout amen this morning. So we're going to get started today. And uh, thank you, Naked Eyes, for Promises, Promises, getting this thing started. Poor Pastor Dustin, he had to like go to the archives to try to find that on iTunes. He didn't even know they existed. Thank God he didn't screw up and put an Eminem song on or whatever. Because <laughs> then those that were born in the 90s would have felt really cool. All right, let's get started. Character, integrity, trustworthiness is often our worst test scores. The good news, and that was strategically planned, the terminology, the good news, also known as the gospel, but it's also good news, is that God has written the test. He's the master. He's the one that created the syllabus. God is the only one that cannot break his word or promise. The Bible tells us in the book of Numbers chapter 23 and verse 19 that God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? More than 3,000 years ago, God made promises. And the coolest thing this morning is that when he made those promises, they come without any expiration date. Um, Not to gross you out, not trying to be too crass. But have you ever bumped into something in your refrigerator that had expired? Your life was changed because of that encounter. You'll never be the same because of that one sip of that which had gone bad. And you live to tell it. And you will tell your great-grandchildren about that Tuesday morning that you took the sip of all sips that made your toenails curl and your curly hair goes straight. It ruins you forever. The best part about God's word and his promises is they do not expire. If God's made a promise to humanity, it is good till this day. It's not just a promise made to a certain era. It's not a promise made to a certain generation. 
If God spoke a promise through his word, it's good for anyone that is live and breathing that has the ability to either read, hear, and understand the word of God. So if you are someone that finds yourself with a pulse in this service today, you're a candidate for the promises of God. They've been proven time and time and time again through generations to generations that he knows how to keep and perform his word. But let me share some um, let me share some conditions about these promises of God because uh, while his love uh, while his love cannot be withheld from mankind, there are some promises uh, that, that come with some strings attached. And I think it's only right that we print the small print and we share the asterisk below the label and let you in on how to have the promises of God fulfilled in your life. The book of Hebrews chapter number 6 and verse number 17. And I'll be kind of meandering through different renderings of scripture today. So be aware of that as you try to keep up with me in, in your reading of your text. But today in the book of Hebrews chapter 6 verse 17. I choose to share a little bit of the word through the message this morning. Uh, when God made his promise to Abraham he backed it to the hilt putting his own reputation on the line. And he said, I promise that I'll bless you with everything I have. Bless, bless, and bless even more. And the Bible says that Abraham stuck it out and got everything that had been promised to him. Somebody say he stuck it out. Man, did I ever come across a great illustration this past Thursday night. I had the itch to go to Burleson High School and to watch the 8th grade girls city championship in basketball. And there was the C team that were going to play. The B team was going to play. And the A team was going to play. And I pitched the idea to my beautiful, wonderful, sweet, darling family. Uh, the Nora wasn't interested. Sailor could care less. But Esme said, do they have any food there? <laughs> so I decided to go into some bartering skills that you just learn as a daddy. And I said, oh, baby, they've got this thing called a concession stand. And if you'll keep this between me and you, we'll eat dinner at the concession stand. Every halftime of all three games, we'll get some popcorn, we'll get some Skittles, we'll get a Snicker bar, we'll get a hot dog, we'll do it upright. That girl was buckling that booster seat before I could even start the truck. <laughs> so we get to the first ball game, you know, those C teams, you know, they kind of struggle at times. The final score was like eight to two the whole game. But come halftime, I had to keep my word, so I loaded her up. We went down the steps, went down to the lobby, looking for the concession stand, and it was closed. Yeah, you said, oh, I said something else. Because I knew, I knew I was about to have a meltdown up in that high school. There's a reason four-year-olds don't go to high school, and she was about to tear that building up, boy. Man, when that concession stand was closed, I said, don't worry, baby. I'm, sh I'm sure, I'm certain they're going to open it up. Let's go watch the second half. So we got through the second half. They scored one point. And we got through the second half. And we finally went back down to the concession stand. Closed. Boy, that little toot done looked up at me and said, what are we going to do? And I said, I don't know. We're going to fix this, though. So I went and found the athletic director, you know. And, and I said, what's the deal, coach? Why ain't the concession stand open? And he said, oh, I think they forgot. Why don't y'all step on out there, go across the street to Sonic, and, and y'all come on back. And I said, listen, I paid good money to be here tonight. And you're not going to charge me again. You got a stamp or something? Because, man, it's junior high ball. Just go get something to eat and come on back. So when we were walking across the parking lot, you just think a four-year-old has a four-year-old mentality. Mine's advanced because she's a Brandon. She kind of is a little advanced student. <laughs> she's kind of ahead of the curve, you know. She done looked up at her daddy and said these words. Get ready for this, DJ. That little toot done looked at me and said, Now, daddy, you know I'm not going to hang in here this whole night. 
boy, I done parked them two feet of mine. I said, what? We got two more games to watch, baby. She goes, mm-mm. And I said, well, what do you think? What do you want to do? We're going to Sonic and get you a hot dog. Get your chair limeade. We'll do it upright, and then we're going to go watch the ball games. Mm-mm. I said, well, what do you want to do? Take me home. I said, take you home? We got two games to watch. I ain't going to take you. Take me home, Daddy. I took that little toot home, dropped her tail off her mom and her sister. I went and watched me some ball games. <laughs> but here's the catch. She had said, Paige, that she wasn't going to hang in there. The scripture just said that Abraham stuck it out. He hung in there until every promise made came to pass. So the big debate this morning is not if God can keep his word. The big debate is can you hang in there long enough to get the full blessing of God on your life? Or are you one that watches the clock and tries to put God on a schedule and say, well, if he don't show up by 12 noon, he must not be able to keep his word. If he doesn't have it by morning time, he must not be able to keep his word. Can I just come by and tell you something? God's never gonna be too early. He's never gonna be too late. He's gonna show up right on time. The catch is, is he gonna find you there waiting to receive the full blessings of God? So nudge your neighbor real quick and tell them you got to hang in there a little while longer. See, some of y'all got snack time on your brain. If you'll hang in there through the sermon, you're going to get to eat about 3.30. Just hang in there and you'll skip lunch and eat dinner. You got to hang in there. The Bible says Abraham stuck it out and got everything that had been promised. When people make promises back to Scripture, they guarantee them by appeal to some authority above them so that if there's any question, they'll make it good on the promise, the authority will back them up. But when God wanted to guarantee his promises, he just gave his word, a rock-solid guarantee. God cannot break his word, and because his word cannot change, somebody hear this, the promises is likewise unchangeable. We who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline reaching past all appearances right to the very presence of God. So this is where we're diving into this series that we're calling The Core. What is a promise? A promise is simply this. It's an offer made with a guaranteed result. And only God can roll with these type of statements. Again, because we've been let down by so many people, even those that we have made covenant with in this earthly covenant, we've still been let down by people. Even those that we've raised up, reared up, fed up, have broken promises. But when it comes to the word of the Lord, you can take it to the bank. His word, his promise is good. It will never change. This is how he rolls. Joshua chapter 21, verse 45 in the King James rendering of scripture. Not a single one of all the good promises the Lord had given to the family of Israel. Not a single one of them was left unfulfilled. Everything he had spoken came true. I don't know anyone that everything they've said has come true. I don't know anyone. I've never, I'm not that guy. I've made promises that I've not been able to keep. Are you with me this morning? But when it comes to the Lord, everything he speaks shall come true. So I've just come by this morning to let us know that it's not arguing over if he can take him at his word. What we want to establish is Will you be found, postured, and positioned properly to receive the promises of God? We're going to be strong in our faith. We need to know the promises of the Lord. Say, we need to know them. We need to know them. Now say, we need to understand them. We need to understand them. And in closing, let's say, we need to pursue them. We need to pursue them. So we need to know what is available to us. 
we need to spend time in his word and in his presence to understand what's available to us. And then we have to go, just like the book of Hebrews said, with both hands, we've got to pursue them and claim them as our own. Or basically, we're doing life, we're living out life without maximizing everything that the cross has prepared to give us. I was spending some time Friday with a friend of mine from the church here that happens to have a daughter at school with my, my little girl. And we, were, we, we took a, a little road trip together out to where we hunt to pick a few items up. And while we were going there, he said, hold on, I need to make a quick phone call. And I didn't know if he was calling his wife. I didn't know who he was calling. But he called into a line that was dedicated for our fire department to be able to schedule overtime. He's a local fireman here in our community. And he put his name in the hat for overtime. And, and I said, that was pretty cool. It was like some kind of automated system. He goes, oh, yeah. And if you don't take advantage of it, you'll never get it. Can I tell you that God has something greater than just overtime blessings in your life? But you're going to have to pursue them and make them happen for you. It's not just going to happen. You're going to have to take a step. You're going to have to pursue. You're going to have to seek. We have not because we ask not. Knock and it shall be open. Seek, you shall find. Come on, somebody. So you're going to have to go after them. So here we are on this thing called the promises of God. Someone said there's over 3,500, 3,500 promises of God throughout Scripture. But I want to establish this morning on this first Sunday of something I'm calling the core. I just want to show you that I think that all of the thousands of the promises of God come from a core. They kind of stem off, if you will. There are some promises of God, there's four to be exact, that are found in the book of Exodus chapter number 6. That I feel that all the other promises of God come from these Four promises that God made with Israel. He made an agreement. He made a covenant. He made some promises. And again, to reiterate, the cool thing about these promises are they were the original purpose and plan for all mankind and they still stand true today. What God agreed to with the children of Israel, God agrees to do for you. If you will know it, understand it, and pursue it. Are you with me this morning? The book of Exodus chapter number 6. And let's look at verse number 6. Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord. Here we go now. And I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will rid you out of their bondage. And I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. Verse 7 and I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God. You shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. If you'll look here in Exodus 6 that we've just read from, I'm going to show you that there are four promises of God that establish. They lay the foundation. I'm telling you, for all the concrete workers in this church, it's not going to be a better foundation to build your life on than what I'm about to share with you from Scripture. This is a strong, firm foundation that you can build your life on and that we can build churches on. You can build families on, communities on. And it starts with these I will promises from God. What's the first one? I will bring you out. This is a promise of sanctification. This is a promise of salvation. God just comes out and makes an agreement with his children. I will bring you out, but we're in slavery. I will bring you out. Do you not see how hard we're working? I will bring you out. But you don't understand the toiling and the, and the labor, the, the, the pain that we're in. I will bring you out from under the burden. I will break you free from that yoke that you're under as slaves. But I don't see you doing anything right now. I will bring you out. But I'm so hot and tired. I will, I will bring you out. And God's making this 
agreement, this promise that if you'll hang in there long enough, if you'll stick it out, I will bring you out. I will save you. I will sanctify you. Don't get confused on a cute little word that often is not used in your day-to-day vocabulary. Sanctify, meaning I will set you apart. I will call you from here to here. I will take you from where you are to where you need to be. I will save you. I will take you out of this group and set you aside as my own. I will change your identity that you currently have to give you an identity that I choose to place on you. I will change your whole world. The whole scope of your life will change when I sanctify you. I will call you out from them and make you mine. I will save you. And God is making this promise. Check this out. The very first promise of God, not in Scripture, the very first promise that we find isn't found in Genesis chapter 3. And the final one we find written in Scripture, at least uh, as the Bible is pieced together, uh, we find in Revelation 22. But the first promise of God that he makes to his children concerning the exodus, concerning the great deliverance of his people, all right? We see that he's going to promise to bring them out. In the book of Titus Chapter number three, and we're going to flip back to this this message rendering for a moment because this just lays it down so easy for you to get. It wasn't so long ago that we ourselves were stupid and stubborn. Here's a here's a just a just a such a blunt way of putting it: dupes of sin. It wasn't so long ago that we were dupes of sin, ordered every which way by our glands or by our flesh. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. We were controlled by our desires. That's sin. That's slavery to sin. I did this in the first service at 9 o'clock this morning. Let me just kind of show you again. And and I'm going to be redundant with it. I'm going to keep doing it to make my point. Imagine handcuffs and imagine chains around my feet. I want to go that way, but I can't go that way. I want to go over here, but I can't go that way. I'm going to go wherever I'm told. Hey, easy. I'm told to go. Well, this is what sin does. You, you, once, you're, once you're trapped in sin, if you're living in sin, which is slavery and typing this to slavery according to the children of Israel in Egypt, if you're in slavery, you're told when to wake up. You're told when to go to bed. You're told when to eat or not to eat at all. You have no choice in the matter. Well, when you're living a life covered in sin, Apart from the freedom of Jesus Christ, you don't have a say in anything. Your flesh is in control. The lust of your body is in control. The evil thoughts are in control. And all of a sudden, you find yourself without any say-so in the prosperity, the blessing, the health, the direction of your life, your marriage, your children, your business, your family. You have no say-so in the matter because you're a slave to a master. It's the master of sin. Are you with me this morning? Yes. Well, what happens here in Scripture, it tells us that going around with a chip on our shoulder, we're hated by others and we're hating back. That's, that's the lifestyle of sin. Ooh, but watch this. But when God, our kind and loving Savior God, stepped in, he saved us from all of that. And it was all his doing. We had nothing to do with it. In other words, you're not slick enough to get out of sin. You're not smart enough to get yourself out of sin. You're not connected with others well enough to get your lifestyle out of sin. You don't have enough money. You don't have enough intelligence. You don't have enough wit. You don't have, you don't have it to be able to get out of sin. Only God can step in through the power of the cross of which Jesus Christ died on And if you place your faith in that kind of gift, that type of generous gift of God's grace, you can be set free from sin. But it won't be on your doing outside of you just placing your faith in it. In other words, you can't work your way into this type of deliverance. Only your faith in Jesus can free you up from this life of sin. The Bible goes on to say he gave us a good bath and we came out. New people washed inside and out 
by the Holy Spirit, our Savior Jesus poured out new life so generously. God's gift has restored our relationship with him and given us back our lives. And there's more life to come. There's an eternity of life. You can count on this. Somebody say amen. The Bible says that not only will he bring you out, but he says, I will free you. Someone in here is about to have a, you're about to have a wake-up call. You're going to have a light bulb moment. You're about to see something clearly that you've been struggling to see for a long time in your life. The beautiful thing is this. God makes an agreement with them, Pastor Manning. He says, I will bring you out of Egypt. And if you'll stick it out long enough, if you'll hang in here with me, not only will I bring you out of Egypt, but then I'll go to work and get the Egypt out of you. If you'll just hang with me, if you'll just trust me, if you'll hang in there long enough, I don't want to just bring you out of sin, but I want to get the sin off of you. I don't want to just deal with your heart and your salvation only. I want you to live life to the fullest sense where you're not always thinking as a slave. Could there be a more miserable life than to be set free but wake up every day still living like a slave? Hey, you're free to go. I don't know about that. Hey, you're free to worship. I don't know if I can. Hey, you're free to give. I don't know if I can. Hey, you're free to serve. I don't know if I can. Why? Because you don't know what I used to do and where I used to go and what what thoughts I used to entertain. And God says, I've brought you out. And if you'll just hang in here long enough with me, I'm going to get it out of you. And I'm going to clean you. I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to straighten it all out for you. Come on, somebody. God's not just wanting to save an alcoholic. God's wanting to sober up an alcoholic. God's not wanting to just save a drug addict. God's wanting to get them clean and in their right mind and, and, and not being ordered by their sinful nature. God's not just wanting to save an adulterer. He's wanting to clean him up or clean her up. He's not wanting to just save marriage. He's wanting to put marriages on a pedestal to show the world that this can work. We can keep our word. God wants to save. He wants to bring you out. But then he wants to deliver you. He wants to give you freedom. Somebody somebody just say this. Somebody say, preach, preacher. I want to get you out of Egypt. You'll just take me at my word. I'll get you out of Egypt. Well, I'll bust them chains off your wrist and off your feet. But you've been for years and years and years. You've been trapped in a lifestyle without choice and freedom. And you're going to have a culture shock. You're going to have a weird wake-up experience Monday after the Sunday deliverance. You're going to wake up Monday. And you still got the same network of friends. You still got the same reputation. You still got the same word on the street. And where the church messes up is we just think a good old altar experience is going to change everybody's life. It'll get them to heaven, but it ain't going to make anything better on Monday. Because once you get in that car and fire up that little four-cylinder, you and your little Prius, your little gas saver, once you fire up that little electric scooter, You're going to go back to work. They don't know about that Sunday experience. They know you were the man on Friday night that was living crazy in sin, being ordered by the flesh. And God says, when it gets here, when Monday hits you, Tuesday hits you, Wednesday hits you, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, don't you give up on my word because I'm going to keep my word to you. I kept it to get you out of Egypt, and I'll keep my word getting Egypt out of you. But you've got to hang in there with me. You can't get frustrated. You can't get doubt rising up in you. You got to walk like you're free. You got to talk like you're free. And I'm going to help you do that. Because you don't know how to do that yet. It's all new to you. Mm. And then God goes on to say, not only will I 
bring you out. I'll free you. I'll free you from your issues. I'll free you from, free you from your hang-ups. I'll free you from your addictions, your problems, your challenges. Amen. And then the Bible tells us that he says, I will redeem you. God promises restoration. And if you're on your A game this morning, if you're not busy, you know, on Twitter or something, if you're really focused, your first thought would might possibly be, well, what's he going to restore me to? What does that mean? Restore me to what? Redeem me. Redeem me. Put me back. Back to what? Back to sin? Is he going to restore me back to, back to Egypt? God's plan and purpose for your life was never Egypt. God's plan and purpose for your life was never a slave mentality. God had a plan and purpose for your life, man, that was a piece of the puzzle, the great puzzle of the kingdom of God. I don't know if there's any puzzle workers in here, but I'm not a puzzle guy. Imagine that. My idea of the puzzle is just buy it with glue and let it all look like I made it, and I'll tell everybody, yeah, I spent hours on that, man. I spent hours on that. I'm that cubics guy that says, hey, man, he put that thing back together and let me go home and tell the norm. Look at that. I got a cubic. I, I did it. Man, I'd bust that thing and try to take the stickers off and glue them back. I'm not a puzzle guy. I don't have the patience, man. And don't be telling me to pray for it either. I don't want Just let me preach. Y'all listen. Check this out. Listen to me now. God wants to restore you to the first original plan and purpose for your life. Way before you ever were thrown into this mess called sin because of one old boy and one old gal's mistake, you didn't have a choice in the matter. You were born and given this Adamic nature. When you took your first breath on your own, you took it as a sinner. But God's saying, that's not what your original purpose and plan was in this life. I've got something so greater than that, but I can't get you there until I bring you out. And then I got a little work to do on you to get you to thinking straighter. But once we can get there, I want you to discover your original purpose and plan that I've got for you. Because this thing is a great big giant puzzle. And you have a special piece in the puzzle to let it all make sense. It all not going to make sense until I can get my hands on your life and plug you in to the puzzle. So he says, I want to help you discover your redemptive or your restored calling. Somebody say, I received that. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. It's in Jesus Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eyes on us. He had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose He's working out in everything and in everyone. And then last but not least, I will. I will bring you out. I will free you or deliver you. I will redeem you or restore you. And then lastly, he says, I will take you as my own people. This is the coolest part of this sermon. All the while, he's been dealing with you as an individual to get you to a point where you can be a part of something bigger than just you. I will bring you and make you a part of my people and I will be the people's God. Guess what that people group is? The church. And there's millions of us all around the earth. They're in Nicaragua. They're in France. They're in China. Hard for me to say this, but they're in Oklahoma. (laughs) I'm not gonna look right over here. And I'm not going to look right over there. I'm not going to. I'm just going to turn this way and preach. (laughs) Here's the coolest part. God's idea and purpose and plan for your life is to deliver you and set you free from all of this stuff. To get you to be a part of something to help someone else. But the only way this would ever happen in your life is you're going to have to stick it out. Now, let's settle this today. Let's close with this. Let's get back to our first promise. This is the first part of the core, and I won't be much longer. The first part of the core is this first promise. I will bring you out. 
All of this that I've said until this point today is just to get here right now. Because there are some of you in this room on this Sunday morning, you're starting the month of February without receiving the promise of God's salvation. You're a good person. You have a decent life going for you. But here's the problem. You're still feeling the symptoms. You're fleshing out. You're walking out. You're working out the symptoms of a slave. What do you mean, Pastor Tommy? I'm in church today. That doesn't mean that you're not still a slave. Don't confuse our Western Christian culture of everybody getting together and singing and worshiping and hearing a sermon as that you're saved. I dream of a day that there's more unsaved in this service than there are saved. How dare you, Pastor Tommy? That's the mission of the gospel. It's not a little club for all those that are saved and put together. The mission of the church is to have those that are unsaved come. Know the promise, understand the promise, and pursue the promise. So let me talk to you as an individual for the next few minutes. Do you line up with some of these symptoms? First of all, do you feel like a slave? Do you feel like you have no say-so in the matter of your life's joy, of your life's fulfillment and contentment? Do you feel like you wake up every day to go through the same monotony, the same mundane, the same grind of your body calling the shots, your mind calling the shots, someone else for you calling the shots? Do you feel like you are just walking as this every day, being told what to do, how to talk, how to think? Maybe it's extreme. Maybe it's real extreme measures of, maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's just a habit. Maybe it's just a lifestyle. But you're a slave. I just want to come by on this Sunday morning to start your new month out with telling you that if this is you, Jesus Christ is here today. And the best thing that you'll ever be told today on February 1st of 2015 it's his promise is still good. You don't have to wonder if it's ran out because of the thousands and millions upon millions of people that have taken him at his word. He's got enough words still left for you. Let me ask you another question. Do you feel empty? See, Pharaoh, Pharaoh wanted to make sure they had chains around their feet, chains around their hands. He wanted to make sure they could not have any freedom whatsoever but then he kind of picked up on the rumor that they were talking between making bricks one slave to the next I'm hoping for the day that my great-grandsons and great-granddaughters will be free from this I'm willing to pay the price of slavery if my great-great-grandchildren could be free I'm believing for a day I have a dream of freedom for my great-grandchildren and Pharaoh caught wind of this. And he said, ha if slavery's not enough, I'm gonna steal their hope. I'm gonna steal their potential of a better day. And he issued the law of killing, killing babies, killing the producers, killing the boys. Do you feel like a slave? And do you feel empty from it ever changing? Has your hope been stripped from you? Has the dream of greater potential been taken from you? Do you honestly go to bed at night thinking these type of thoughts that the marriage you're in will never be any better than what it is? This is what it is. Do you wake up on Monday mornings, on Thursday mornings? Do you go to bed on Friday nights saying, it's never gonna be any different for my family? My parents were like this. My, grand, my grandparents were like this. I'm certain that my my children will be like this. They'll always fight. They'll always be frustrated. They'll always be in lack. You're empty. And then the very last question I have for you before we really wrap this day up together is are you exhausted? 
And I'm not talking about your sleep habits. I'm talking about something that a good nap can't do for you. Are you exhausted? Do you feel like you're on a treadmill of life that's never getting you anywhere? And you're just beaten down. You're wore out. What happens when we're tired? We continue to make terrible choices. When we're weary and exhausted, we do things that our common sense wouldn't do. But we do it anyway. It's because we've not stepped into the promise that God is saying, I will bring you out. But you're still enslaved. You're still weary and exhausted. And you have zero hope that it's ever going to change. I close with giving you good news. Let me tell you an easy way of understanding the grace of God. God's grace is so sufficient that even with your hands and your feet tied, he's managed to get you here today. God's grace is so sufficient that while you were without hope of anything changing in your life, you've heard the word of God of a better day today. And the coolest thing I could tell you is as tired as you are, you've managed to make it through this sermon. The grace of God is reaching. And his promise is as real and available right now as it's ever been. So let me ask you these questions. How'd we get here? Well, we all got here the same way by someone else making a bad choice. Well, how do we get out of here? How do we get out of this position in life? God says, I'm not going to put that on anyone else to make the choice for you. I'm going to give you the same freedom to choose to come out of this lifestyle of sin. Well, what do I do, Pastor Tommy? It's real easy. He's tossed you the ball. And on this Super Bowl Sunday, he says, take the ball and run with it. Well, how do I run with it? You need to make the first move. And that comes by repentance. You need to repent and turn from the lifestyle of slavery, of sin, and turn to God that's out there calling you to a promised future and a promised land. If you got your back towards him, you'll never see him or hear him or feel him or sense him. You'll just embrace what you've always known. But if you'll just turn and repent from your sin and of your sin, where you can at least see his glory, God's calling you out, and he will keep his word and bring you out. What's next? Well, you need to surrender. You need to let him drive the bus called your life. And you need to let some stuff go. Well, how do I do that? Trust in his word. Because he's going to deliver you. It's going to be a process. But if he, can just, if he can just get you out of there, he's going to deliver you. Is that it? You're going to need to commit. And therein lies the issue. You're going to have to commit. He's not just a one-shot wonder. He wants to be a part of your world. And he wants control of your life. Is it to no surprise that our biggest issues is commitment and giving someone else control? Yep. And that's the way he designed it. But if you'll trust him, you're going to be the big winner. Because you've got eternity to live for him and serve him and reap all the benefits of him and his wonderful promises. And until you cross over into that great glorious place called heaven, you don't have to dwell in this earth living as a slave anymore. But you can be free. These are the promises of God. Stand quickly to your feet this morning. It's at this point that I desire that the 
I desire the ministry of the Holy Spirit to take place because here's the catch as a preacher. Let me just kind of talk to you. Us preachers can do all that we can do and then it's like we know when to stop. Now, some of you think I should have stopped 30 minutes ago, but you're just not right. <laughs> we preachers know when to stop. Let me tell you where we stop. We stop when it becomes spiritual decision time because I'm not selling a car not trying to get you to sign up with my electrical provider. I'm trying to get you to the place of making the decision to spend the rest of your life with Jesus Christ. And that's not going to come just from here. It's not going to come just from here. It's going to come from a little head knowledge. It's going to come from some heart knowledge. And this morning, you have the opportunity to make a good decision for your life. A decision to give him control. A decision for you to be saved. And I want to lead you there. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here in this room right now, and you know without a shadow of a doubt, that the word of the Lord is tugged at your heart and you're ready to make a step towards Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. All it requires is that you turn and give him your attention and pursue him. He has already laid out the plan. He's already paid the price on the cross. You, my friend, can be saved. But you must take him at his word and give him the chance to save you. All over this room, I'm talking to you as an individual. If you're ready to come out of that miserable life of sin and give your life completely over to Jesus Christ, I want you to lift your hand. And if you do not mind, keep it lifted. those that have your hands lifted, I want you to come quickly and stand at the front of this church building with me. Come quickly. I'm not going to take too long today because the Spirit of the Lord does something so much faster than I can do it. Come quickly and just stand right here with me. God bless you. Come on. God bless you, sir. Bless you. Bless you, ma'am. Bless you guys. Is there anyone else before I lead these in prayer? Today's the greatest opportunity of your life for you to declare him as your Lord and Savior. Is there anyone else before we pray? God bless you, buddy. Lord be with you. I want to settle something with you that are here, okay? I want to settle this with you. Some of you I've known a long time. Others of you... I don't know you at all, but I want to settle something with you. Here's where, here's where the Western church cultures kind of mess things up for us. Because we can make the problem of assuming certain people are saved and unsaved, and then they get labeled saved, unsaved, and all this kind of stuff. Man, you have no idea what's going on in the heart of people. So you just need to back up. This is a spiritual matter. I'm so proud of you. Because what you've done right now is you have flat out become a spectacle in front of a whole bunch of people. But more importantly, you've gotten God's attention all on you right now. It's all about you and God right now. And this is what's amazing. All you did was take a step out of a pew to the front, but oh boy, you did more than that. <laughs> you've, you've come towards God. Because this is, this is just a symbol of coming out of Egypt. And God's hand is upon you right now. And his word, his promise 
is being kept right now. You are coming out of that lifestyle. Now here's the key before I pray over you. When you get in that car and your world hasn't changed, don't you dare let your flesh and the enemy of your future tell you nothing changed. Because then he's going to start going to work with changing your world. Right now, he's changing your heart. All over this house, just as a big old family that loves people, that's what Calvary does, man. We love people. Why don't you just bow your heads as I pray over these. Father, it's in the name of Jesus Christ that I pray blessings upon these couples, upon these individuals, upon these homes, upon these families. I pray blessing upon them, God. Something's happening in their hearts this morning. Something's happening in their spirit this morning. Something's taking place right now. Sin is being forgiven. Hearts are being restored. Futures are being established. You're about to go to work, Lord, at delivering them and freeing them up, setting them loose into the great life ahead of them. But right now, God, you're taking matters... You're, you're taking control of the matter at hand, and that is bringing them out. For all of you that are in this altar, I want you to receive this prayer, and I want you to say it with me and make it your own. Dear Lord Jesus, I give you my sinful life. I turn from the way I've been living. I turn from the way I've been acting, and I come to you in faith, and I receive your grace. I declare you as the Lord and Savior of my life. I confess that I need more of you now than I've ever needed you before. You are my Lord and my Savior. I give my future over to you. I declare from this day forward that I'm going to let you continue to deliver me and help me through my issues and my challenges. But today I thank you for saving me. Today I thank you for starting the process of getting Egypt out of my life. And I give you thanks and glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's clap our hands to the Lord this morning. Woo! Man! I feel good. You feel the presence of the Lord in your heart, don't you? Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, can you give it up for these that have made a huge step today? Now to all of us, I leave you with this. Keep moving. Keep taking steps. None of us have yet arrived. Keep pursuing the promises of God and make them your own. I love you so much. Next week, we're going to deal specifically with this promise of deliverance and freedom. We're calling it the core. We're just kind of laying some foundation. And you're going to see how it all ties in to be a blessing to you and your families. God bless you. We celebrate this.